I've been excited about today, excited about the worship set, excited about the word that God wants to bring to us. If you have um, been with us for a while, you know, but if you're a guest with us today, and I know there are some of you in the room, we're finishing our series on becoming prayers this week, not just talking about prayer, not just saying that it's a part of the life of a worshiper, but becoming people who pray. And what that means, that prayer isn't some random idea that we just kind of happen upon as people who are in relationship with Jesus, but that prayer is something that God was anticipating was already regularly happening in the life of a believer. Throughout the last several weeks, we've learned some kind of key points. One is that Jesus, when he talked about, about prayer, assumed that we were doing it, that we need to be making time all the time to pray. There's not a special time. It's not just in the morning or not just in the evening or not just before you eat a meal. But that God wants us to be in constant conversation because prayer is a conversation. It's a dialogue between the created and the creator. And we speak and God listens, and amazingly, God speaks. And our job is also to listen. That's, the, that's probably the hardest part of prayer. We also learned through Jesus' example, when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, listen, if you want to know how to pray, here's what you need to do. You need to bring your worship before you bring your wants. You've got to put the thighs before the mys. Talk about what it is my will is. Talk about what it is it means for my kingdom to come. Remember to respect and to worship me. My name is holy. And then bring your needs before me. Because listen, if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody and all you ever do is talk about yourself, how long is that relationship going to last? God says it's a two-way street. I want you to bring your worship before you bring your wants. And I also want you to remember that me can't be my motivation when I come in prayer. Scripture says that God made us to bring him glory. That's the ultimate end of every single one of us. We are doing our thing when we are bringing God glory. And so when we talk to him, our questions are always centered around, God, what, it, what is it in this situation that will bring you the most glory? How can more people see, me, see you in me? What is it that I need to be doing so that you are reflected in my life? I think maybe the most powerful thing for me, this reminder in this series has been that when God says no, it's not rejection, it's just redirection. That sometimes we can ask God for something and he does not give us what we asked for, but he always gives us according to his will and his will is perfect. And so when God answers us with a no, it's not God slamming the door in our face and rejecting us, but redirecting us to his purpose. What else does he want for us? So how do you conclude conversations like that? How do you wrap up a series about becoming a prayer? Where do we finish? I couldn't think of any place better than to talk about one of the ways that becoming a prayer can have a powerful impact in the immediate world around you, and that's by offering a prayer of blessing. We can pray many prayers, and, and many of you have prayed some desperation prayers in deep places of your life. You've dropped to your knees and you've begged God for something in a place of crisis. Maybe you've made promises to God. If you will, then I will. Maybe some of you have prayed prayers of thanksgiving because God has already placed a blessing in front of you. But there's something about praying a blessing over someone that is an act of power and love that God has bestowed on us to give to other people. And so I want to begin by asking you a question this morning. What is it you could use a little more of in your life? 
Think about it for just a minute. What could you use just a little more of in your life? Now, I can't read your minds, but I can tell you this. Not one of you answered that question with the word criticism. We've all had enough of that. Amen? You can go anywhere on any given day and find somebody who will find fault with you or about you or for you. We have enough criticism in the world. We have enough people who have poor opinions of us, right or wrong. We have enough people in the world who have enough damaging things to say that the last thing we need more of is criticism and neglect. But I wonder if any of you, as you were answering that question in your mind, thought, I could use a little more encouragement. I could use a little more confidence. I could use a little more peace. I could use a little bit more of the Holy Spirit's power in my life. I want to tell you that God wants all those things for you. But what if I told you, what if I told you that you are how God wants to provide those things in the life of someone else? What if I told you that the peace and the encouragement and the confidence and the power that you are longing for yourself, God wants to use you to help provide that in the life of someone else? Now, maybe in the back of your mind going, well, that's great, but what about me? (laughs) Well, friends, if God is purposing your life, to bring encouragement and confidence and peace and the promise of power in someone else's life, don't you think God has purposed someone else to bring that to you? And let me tell you how God designed that to happen. He designed it to happen so that we might be blessed to be a blessing to other people. God's desire for us is that we might be and speak a blessing into the life of other people. Because as we've been learning about prayer, about having an ongoing conversation with the one who've made us, we have learned that God loves it when we talk to him and listen to what he says and believe that he is offering us answers to our questions. But we also discovered that in the process of this ongoing conversation, God's desire is to bless us. He wants to give us his will. He wants his kingdom to come in our lives. He wants to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is God's deepest desire for you and for everybody else. And God's desire is not only to bless us, but his desire is that we do that as well. That we not only bless him, but we bless other people. The idea of offering a blessing is not new. If you open up the word of God and spend some time just in the Old Testament alone, you will see the word bless or a derivative thereof about 400 times, most prevalently in the first book of the Bible. All over the book of Genesis is the language of blessing. God was blessing things from the time he was making things. Scripture says that when he he created every living creature that moved, he blessed them. When he created man and woman, he blessed them. When he created the seventh day, the day of rest, what we call the Sabbath, he said it was good and he blessed it. God has been blessing things since the beginning. Not just things, but people. 
But God blessed his children so that we could also become a blessing. If you read a little further in the book of Genesis, you will discover that God blesses people for a purpose. He blessed Noah and his children to be creators. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. He made them many creators. The image of God now seen in mankind. God said, listen, I not only give you the impression of who I am. I not only put my fingerprints all over you. I not only give you the capacity to create, but I bless you to do it. I'm sending you forth for this purpose. Read a little further into Genesis 12, and you see that God blessed Abraham to be a blesser. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. What would it feel like? What would it feel like in conversation with the Lord if he whispered in your ear, I'm going to bless all of Mount Carmel through you. I'm going to bless your entire street through you. I'm going to bless all of the people that you come into contact with this week through you. My desire is not just to bless people. I'm going to use you to do it. This blessing that God places on Abraham is not distinct only to Abraham because God has extended it to us as well. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We've already got everything we need to be the kind of blessing to other people that God wants us to be. He's already given it all to us in Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, which means that we're just a blessing repository. We're just walking around holding it all. Let me ask you what it's like when you're a little kid and you're with somebody else. Who has an extra large French fry and you don't have any? Or maybe French fries aren't your jam. Maybe it was tater tots, okay? Do you ever remember that moment when somebody else had all the stuff and you didn't have anything? Do you remember what it feels like? Well, I want you to picture in your mind, friends, that you have all the French fries and there's a world that needs to eat. And they're looking at what you have and they want some of it, but they don't really know you, so they're not going to ask for it. And to be honest, they're not even sure how to ask or what to ask for. They just know that whatever you've got is what they want. You've got all the french fries, and they want to eat. You've been given every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ, and now God has said, and I've got a reason for that, because I need you to hand it out. I need you to extend these blessings to other people. So let's talk about what it means to bless for a minute. The word bless in the New Testament, the Greek word is eulogeo. Eulogeo. If you look at it real close, it looks like the word eulogy. It means to speak well of or to bless, to thank, or to invoke a benediction on someone. To speak well of, to speak good words about someone. It's exactly where we get the word eulogy, which are the kind words that we speak about someone, usually at the end of their life. Have you ever stopped to think 
that maybe the people who need to hear a eulogy most are the people who are living? Have you ever stopped to think that the people who need to hear good words spoken about them are not the people who have gone on to their eternal home, but the people who are still here? We can sit in services all the time, in memorial services, and hear good words spoken about people. And in general, in most of those cases, when we're listening, there's nothing we hear that surprises us. We already knew that these people were good people. We have lots of good words to say about them too, but I wonder if we ever said them to them when they were here. How many times have you thought, man, I need to tell her, but you never do. Or man, he was really a blessing to me the other day, but you never get around to saying it. We say lots of things when people are gone, but we forget to say them while they're here. And if it's normal, if it's expected that we speak good words about the people that we've lost, why don't we start speaking good words about the people we still have? When God says, I have filled you with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ, what he's saying is, I have given you lots of good words. And good words give life. Good words build up. Good words encourage. Good words sustain. I have given you every spiritual good word I can give you in Jesus Christ. And now it's time that you give it to somebody else. Because otherwise, you're just a French fry hoarder. You have all the fries and nobody else has any. And you know what happens to a large order of fries that just sits? They get cold. Have you ever had a cold French fry? It's gross. You can't reconstitute those things either. You can't put them in a toaster oven and make them better. They just get cold and they get soggy and they get gross. And you know what happens? They go in the garbage can. They get lost. They get thrown away. And every time we sit and we hold on to all the spiritual good words that God has given to us to extend to other people, and people are walking by and they're starving, waiting for a French fry of hope, and we hold on to it, eventually, even though the words are good, even though they were good when they were hot and ready to give away, we've sat with them so long and we neglect them so long, we just push them aside and we move on. And all the hungry people are still hungry. And we have robbed ourselves of using the blessings that God has given to us to extend them to other people. Nobody would argue that words have power. We've seen that in spades in the last week in the political realm, on social media, at work, at school. You know that words have the power to lift up or to break down. The Proverbs writer says that the tongue has the power of both life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's what that means. The Good News translation says it this way, what you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you need to accept the consequences of how you use your words. 
God has said, I have given you all the good spiritual words in Jesus Christ. I have given you every benefit of encouragement and comfort and peace and power and hope and love and grace and thanksgiving. I've given them all to you. And how you use them can build up or tear down will preserve life or destroy it. So pay attention to how you use your words. My husband Steve has an analogy that he shares with people from time to time. It's very powerful. He says that words are like bullets from a gun. Once they are spoken, they can't be taken back. And just like a bullet when it's fired will hit its intended object for good or bad, it can also potentially leave a wake of destruction in its path. When you open your mouth to speak, you need to know that your words will hit the intended target. You better know what you're firing. You better know what's coming out. The proverb, the proverb writer goes on to say that kind words are like honey. They're sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. He writes that the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. I can't get away from this text. It's the message translation of Proverbs 11.25. When you read it in any other translation, it really talks about generosity. But the heartbeat of God's intention for us is to understand that when you have been equipped to be a blesser, and you bless other people, you get blessed right back. Have you ever gone somewhere to serve in some capacity thinking, oh, I'm going to go be a blessing to these people. I'm going to go serve at a soup kitchen. I'm going to go help pack food for brown bag buddies. I'm going to go fill in the blank. Because in your mind, I'm going to go do this service because it's the right thing to do. And you walk away and you've just gotten your socks blessed off and you're not exactly sure how that happened. That in your attempt to go be a blessing, you receive a blessing. Friends, that's exactly how God designed it to be. Because when we give life, when we give good things, when we give hope, when we give encouragement, when we give all the spiritual blessings that we've received in Christ to somebody else, do you know what happens? God keeps on blessing. This is not a God who runs out. God is never a God who runs out of good things. We're just the people that hoard them because we think we don't have enough until we see all the people walking by who don't have any at all. And then we realize that maybe God put us in a position to do something about it. So what's the deal? How exactly then do I bless somebody? I get it, Pastor Joy, my job is to bless people. So what does that look like? Do I just say nice things? Do I just not say mean things? I mean, what, practically, let's talk about what it looks like. How do I bless someone? Well, I, I do wanna say yes, it's important to be kind. It's important to pay attention to what you're talking about. God says very specifically that we are to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit the people who listen. Our speech is supposed to be life-giving, but there's more to blessing than just that. To offer someone a blessing is to direct God's goodness to them, to intercede for them, to like stand in the gap to bridge the space between. You are approaching God in faith, coming boldly to the throne of grace in faith, like the Hebrew writer says, 
Maybe because somebody else can't, or maybe because they don't know that there's a blessing awaiting them. And so you intercede. You literally channel God's goodness to somebody else and say, God, all of the spiritual blessings you've given me, I just want you to just push that right on out of me and put it into the life of this person who desperately needs to know that you are for them, that you have a plan for them. I want to say this, and I don't want you to miss this, because this is a place where people, I think, get tripped up. This idea that somehow I can bless you. Well, that sounds weird to me. What does it mean I can bless somebody? I mean, like I bought their lunch. That was a blessing, right? I have the power to do that. But what we're talking about here is not dependent on what we have the power to do. Any good words that we have to give come through, uh, come through us, not from us. I'm going to say it again. Any good words that we have to give someone come through us, but not from us. They come from the Lord. He's the one who's endowed the spiritual blessings to us. He's already given us all the spiritual good words in Jesus Christ. So anything good we have to offer, that's not from me. That's from the Father above who gives good gifts to his children. The Father of the heavenly lights who is looking down, giving good gifts to all his kids. That's who God is. Let me tell you how we know that for sure. Think about forgiveness. When we choose to forgive someone, we don't initiate forgiveness. God made that possible through Jesus Christ. Yes, in my words, I have the power to choose to forgive or not to forgive. But the actual blessing of forgiveness doesn't come from me. It comes through me to someone else. God is the one who made it possible. And so I don't have the power to bestow a blessing, but I do have the power to extend it. I don't have the power to actually give the thing. It's not coming from me, but I can be the extender. It can come through me to someone else. The good things that we have to give, it's not from us, but it is through us. And that's exactly the way that God designed us to be. He not only gave us the capacity to bless, but he desired for our for us to give our life to sharing good words with other people. And we begin learning how to bless other people through the practice of blessing the Lord. Now, this is where people get tripped up. What do I have to give to God? How can I bless God? What does that even mean? Go back to the definition of bless, friends. Bless doesn't mean you got a lot of stuff. It means you have good words. And when you reflect on the goodness and the faithfulness and the generosity and the kindness and compassion and the unfailing love of God, how can you not have good words? When you consider all that God has given to us out of his abundant generosity, the response from us then is to bless the Lord. You perhaps know some of these verses because you've been singing them for a long time. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm not just going to bless him because he gave me what I want. I'm also going to bless him when he doesn't. I'm not just going to bless him because he answered the way I wanted him to. I'm going to bless him when he doesn't because I know he's working all things together for my good. And that no isn't rejection, it's redirection to something better, to something different, to something I can't see with my human eyes, but he can see with his holy eyes. And I trust him because he's good and he's faithful and he is for me. I will bless the Lord at 
all times, in all circumstances, for all things. His praise is continually in my mouth. I speak good words about God because God is good, not because I get my way. I speak good words about God because God is faithful even when I am not. I speak good words about God because God is loving kindness even when I'm a jerk. For me to bless God simply means that I am confessing and speaking all of the goodness of who he is over and over again so that the people who don't know that God is good will hear it even when my life takes a hard left turn. You give and you take away, Job said, but I choose to say, blessed be your name. Don't sing it if you don't mean it. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Do you know what that phrase is? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we bless the Lord, we are praying the way that Jesus taught us to pray. We are making his name famous. God, you are holy. God, you are worthy. God, I worship you. Before anything else that I want, I'm for you. I bless you, Lord. But as we bless the Lord, we then extend that practice to other people, which is also, by the way, an extension of how Jesus taught us to pray. We don't just pray, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done. But we also, when we bless someone, we ask for the kingdom of God to come alive in their life. We are asking for the kingdom of God to come alive in the life of someone else when we speak a blessing over someone else. Let me give you a concrete example. Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, he's writing from a distance, and he's telling the church important things he wants them to know. And in the midst of his letter, he speaks a blessing to them, and this is what he says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is praying a blessing over the church at Ephesus. Paul doesn't have the power to give these things. It's not coming from him, but it is coming through him. And he says, church, I, I'm going to give you a blessing today, and here is how I am praying that God will bless you. Here's how I'm praying that God will show up for you. I'm asking for him to give you power in the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for him to wake you up so that you know you already have the Spirit within you. And that Spirit comes alive. I am praying that you will be rooted in love. So that when people hurt you, and when people push you around, and when people mistreat you, and when people call you fanatics because you are worshiping an unseen God, that you will stay rooted in love. I am praying all of these things for you. Why? So that you can experience the fullness of God in your life. Paul couldn't give it to them. 
but he spoke it for them. When the church did not know how to pray for itself, Paul prayed for the church. But it's not just a a prayer of petition. It's a prayer of blessing. May the Lord do these things for you, Paul says. This is my prayer for you. This is my hope for you because I know that he can. I know that he wants to, and I know that he will. That's what it means to pray a blessing. And so, what would it look like for us to do that? Using scripture as a guide, we can pray the will of God as a blessing over other people. And here's a real practical look at what that looks like. Say you know somebody, and I chose this because I don't know anybody that doesn't deal with this. Say you know somebody who's struggling with some temptation in their life. Anybody know somebody like that? Maybe you do privately. You don't want to say anything. That's all good. Maybe you know somebody who's struggling with temptation. And here is the promise of God to those people struggling with temptation. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So maybe you begin to pray a blessing over that person the person that you know that's struggling with temptation, and it might sound like this. May the Lord, as you are tempted, remind you of his love and grace. Remind you that temptation comes to everyone and remind you that God is going to clearly open a door so that you can avoid the temptation you're facing. My prayer for you is that God will bless you as you choose to rely on his faithfulness and take the way out. That's a prayer of blessing. That's a prayer of confidence. That's claiming the truth of what God has already said and speaking it as a blessing over somebody who needs to hear it. Because listen, when you're in the trenches and you're dealing with temptation in real time, the word of God is true. But sometimes I need to hear somebody else remind me of it. And so when the word of God comes alive in a blessing from somebody else, I just want to pray a blessing over you today that you will stand in confidence that there is a God who is delivering you right now from this temptation who has a wide open door or maybe it's a window or maybe it's a crack in the floor but there is a way out from under whatever you are facing because God has promised he won't leave you here without a way out. And I'm praying that God will bless you when you trust him that he's faithful to his word and you walk out the door. That's what it looks like to pray a blessing. And and I want to be honest. We have to think about the circumstances around which we speak blessings to people. The when and the where are important. Paul, writing the blessing to the church at Ephesus, is writing it in private. But he knows that this letter will be read aloud in public. Everybody's going to hear it. But sometimes when you know somebody's struggling, it's not appropriate to walk up in public and go, hey, I just want to bless you in the name of the Lord and say that temptation thing you're dealing with, he's going to give you a way out, and I'm praying that God will bless you when you walk out of it. Right in the middle of Twin Rivers. That's probably not going to work real well, right? There's a time and a place, because sometimes when we speak words of blessing, we can sound judgmental. If we trust the leading of the Holy Spirit to not only prompt us, God's given us the words in his word, but if we also trust the power of his spirit to prompt us at the right time, privately, friend, I know you're dealing with something, and I just want you to know 
God has a blessing for you today. This struggle that you are wrestling with, he's got a way out. The door is open. And he's going to bless you when you walk through it. Why? Why can I say that with confidence? Because God has said over and over and over and over again in his word, his intention is to bless his children. Not only to bless us, but to make us blessings for other people. That's not prosperity gospel, friends. That's honest truth from the word of God. Now, we can distort God's word and proclaim blessings to people that we have no power to bring. And it's why people have become disillusioned with the church. Oh, if you just trust God, you'll have all the wealth you ever need. There's some truth in that. God will always provide what we need. We may not always get what we want, but our idea of the wealth that we need and God's idea of the wealth that we need are different. But when we begin to proclaim without thinking, and when we begin to proclaim for our own good instead of using good words to bless other people, we've misaligned and misappropriated the word of God. God's desire is that as we speak blessings, we are giving life. We are speaking hope and peace and truth and joy to people. And this is your amen or ouch moment this week. Jesus also reminded us that it is our task to specifically work to speak blessings to the people who wound us. In the Gospel of Luke, the sixth chapter, Jesus says, but to you who are listening, so don't turn the volume down. Turn it up right now. Listen. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you. Why? Why, Lord? Why, when people tear me down and I've spent my life trying to just shut them out and not listen to the negativity, not listen to the hurt, not listen to the wounding, do you, did you ever stop to think that maybe people only speak cursing because they've never heard blessing? Did you ever stop to think that sometimes people only speak the language that they know? When we counsel married couples, we teach them that we all have love languages. It's the way we communicate love to people, the way we want to receive it back. Friends, most of us speak our native language, and for people who speak cursing, it's likely that that's all they've ever heard. And one of the intentions of God making us a blessing to be a blessing is that we begin to speak a new language into the life of people who have never heard it before who have been condemned because of their past, because of their legacy, because of generational sin in their life, and we get to stop the cycle with a word of promise from God who says, I love you, and I am for you, and I gave my son for you, and I have a plan for you, and I want to bless you. I didn't say it was easy, but I did say God wanted to make you a blessing. And you can be sure that in the midst of the crucible, that God will use you if you let him. The, the Apostle Peter echoed this statement by saying, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. And hold on to this, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. If you speak blessing, 
to those who wound you. God has said, that's what I called you for. That's what I made you for. I made you to show up and speak good words into the life of people who don't know good words. That's what I made you to do. And do you know when you do it, God says, you will inherit a blessing. You might not see it this side of heaven. You might receive wrath in return for the blessing you speak. But God's promise is to you, I made you for this. You were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Why does God want us to speak blessing? Because when we extend the blessings of God to other people, we become a conduit of the goodness of God to somebody else, and we will also receive a blessing. And when you go back to the question that I asked you at the beginning, what could you use a little more of in your life? We could all use a little more blessing. Amen. As I close this morning, I invite you to consider probably the most famous biblical blessing of all called the priestly blessing. It comes to us from the book of Numbers chapter 6. And scripture is very clear. It paints a picture God has spoken to Moses, and he says to him, listen, I I want you to go to to Aaron and the Levites. I want you to go to to all of the people who are going to minister to the people of God. I want you to go to all the pastors, and I want you to speak this over them. So speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, you should bless the people of Israel And this is what you should say to them. So Moses is blessing the pastors who are then to bless the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. A beautiful good word. The Latin, by the way, for good word is benediction. It's usually what pastors speak over people at the end of a service, a good word, a eulogy to the living. And this beautiful benediction is a promise from God that he will look upon us, he will face us head on, and he will bring peace to his people. But the promise, friends, that comes on the back end of this blessing is the best part. Scripture says, and so whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. As the pastors were going to pray over the people and began to pray the will of God in the name of God over the people, God promised to bless them. What would it mean if we took God at his word today? What would it mean if we took God at his word and said, if I speak a blessing in the name of God, for the will of God, according to his will, God will bless. What if being an ambassador of Jesus Christ, an ambassador of reconciliation for the purpose of bringing good news to the world, what if it meant that as I speak blessings over people, in the name of God, according to his will, he will do it. Why not give it a try? Because not one of God's promises are untrue. And if it was true then, 
it is still true today. He has given us in Jesus Christ every spiritual blessing, and now it's our opportunity to bless other people. So the invitation is going to look a little different today. It's twofold. There are some of you in this room that have good words you need to speak over people. And so in just a minute, as the worship team is singing, I'm going to invite you to find someone that you know needs to hear a good word and speak a blessing to them today. You know God's been storing up some things in the reservoir for you. And you just need to speak a blessing over somebody. But maybe today you're a person who needs to receive a blessing and you're not really sure anybody you're sitting near, anybody you know in this room is going to come find you and say something to you. I have something to say to you on behalf of the Lord. Steve's going to come this morning and join me up front and we are going to wait and receive you. And if you need to hear a blessing spoken over you today, we're going to invite you to come. Because I believe that what would honor God the most is that we take him at his word. And that if he promises to bless in his name for the good things, the good words that we speak on his behalf in his will, then I'm going to take him at his word today. And I am going to stand in the gap as the pastor who was once blessed by someone else and speak a blessing over the people of God today. And if you need to come and receive a blessing, we're just going to invite you to come on up. You don't have to make a production about it. You can come with somebody. You can grab somebody's hand because you're afraid to come by yourself. That's good. You need to come and grab my elbow at the end of service because you don't want to walk up here in front of people. That's fine too. I'll wait. But today it is a privilege in the name of the Lord to bless God's people. I'm going to pray our prayer at the end of service today. And so this morning, I'm just going to invite you. If you need to receive a blessing, will you come? And if you have a good word on your heart today that you know you can speak to someone, would you turn to your neighbor? Would you get up and move across the room to somebody you know needs to hear it? And would you speak a blessing over them today? And let's worship the Lord together.